I, I want to talk to you today about growing to maturity. Uh, I, I first call this spiritual maturity, but it's just maturity. It's just being mature. Uh, there is a way of growing that God has given us. And let's pray before we get into this. Father, we honor you and glorify you above everything, Lord. Anything we have, anything that we do, we do it by your grace, we do it by your strength, we have it by cause you've given it to us, so we would be foolish to take any credit unto ourselves. And so, Father, we thank you today for your word, we thank you, Lord, for the spirit of the living God who is the revealer of truth. I pray, Lord, that revelation would come, lights would come on in the hearts and minds of the individuals here today, Father God. I pray, Lord God, that there would be uh, such truth uh, imparted by the Holy Spirit that people can begin to walk in a way that really brings them to a greater level of freedom and maturity, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. You said that if we speak, we should speak as a, of the oracle of God. If any, if any minister, we should do it in the ability that you give, that you would be glorified in every way. So, Father, I ask that you would make my tongue as the pen of a ready writer. That, Lord God, there would be truth impacting hearts that would glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. First of all, we, we all, if you're in Christ, uh, we, we have an identity. If you have become a believer, if you have decided to follow Jesus, your identity is in Christ. Uh, my, my primary identity is not Lloyd. My primary identity is not from Tennessee. Can, can you tell? Uh, you know, down south we put extra syllables. The word tell has two syllables. Tail. Can't you tell that I'm from somewhere else? Okay. That's not my identity. My identity is not American. My identity is in Christ. My main identity is not even white. I am in Christ. That's my identity. And in Christ, we have a standing that cannot be improved upon. I'm accepted in him. That's unimprovable. If I mess up today, I'm accepted in him. You know, if, if I mess up today, I'm not kicked out. <laughs> I, I, I need to repent. I need to confess it. But the fact is, my standing is secure in Jesus. But there is a standing that is very improvable. It's called maturity. There's room for growth. I don't care where you come to. The Apostle Paul himself, Ephesians, Philippians 3, as you talked about last night. Philippians 3, I mean, here's, here's Paul who had a pedigree that was phenomenal. And he looked at his accomplishments and he said, I count this as dung, as manure, as rubbish. Why? That I may gain Christ. And he says, I don't claim to have arrived. I don't claim to have come to the place that I need to be. But he said, there was a reason that Jesus Christ got a hold of me, and I want to get a hold of the reason that Jesus got a hold of me. There's room for improvement. There's room for growth. That's always the situation. Now, you may hear me say things I've said before, but that's okay. 
We, we've got a Bible and you're supposed to read it and reread it and reread it. I don't mind preaching things. I don't feel like I have a need to bring new revelation every time I get behind the pulpit. God wants us to get a hold of things so that we can live them out. So our standing that is improvable is our level of maturity. And how is maturity measured? We, we sometimes make the mistake of thinking that it's measured by what we know, but it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I think people many times, they think if they can just study the Bible and memorize verses, those are important things to do. But that's not your level of maturity. Our level of maturity is measured by how we live, especially how we handle relationships. Handle relationship with humility, patience, teachableness, forgiveness. That's not a, an all-inclusive list, but those are very significant. Uh, you know, I, I see people on television and they've got the same clothes on all the time. And it's the clothes of self-importance. And that's the most disgusting thing we can ever wear. The Bible says be clothed with humility. In other words, we need to take a back seat. God's the one who takes us forward. And so uh, the measure of our maturity is in how we handle relationships with those things and other things as well. To many, Christianity is simply a matter of two events. Coming to Christ in the new birth and dying and going to heaven. That's it. No. If that's the only reason we come to Christ, then the best thing that could have happened is the day we got born again, we die. I mean, I got born again over 50 years ago. So if the only two events are being born again and going to heaven, I should have gone to heaven the day I was born again. I've just wasted 50-some years. No, that's, that's false teaching. Thank God we're born again. Thank God we get to go to heaven when we die. But we're not dead. <laughs> and there's a life to live, and we're here for influence. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, he said, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. And then he said this. He said, as newborn babies. Now, not everybody here is a newborn baby. You may be a newborn baby in Christ, but you may be 50 years old. But there's a, there's a part of us, childlikeness, that should never, ever leave. He said, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Just like a newborn baby knows he's got to have mama's milk. I was, I was present for my... Uh, second child's birth because the first when Minda was born that wasn't allowed <laughs> but when when Michael was born the first thing that happened he was attached to his mother's breast why because there was a hunger to be fed so he could grow so part of growing is to desire the pure milk of the word and then to advance to the meat of the word the meat of the word is that part you've got to chew on and it sometimes steps on your toes and irritates you. Do you know there's things God says that irritates us? He absolutely does. But here's something we need to understand. The things of, that, of God that irritate us, they don't irritate our spirit. Our spirit is born again. It has his nature. It, it irritates our soul. 
The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and it's not totally renewed to the things of God. And we need to learn to, we were talking about singing to our soul. Come on, my soul. That's biblical. Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, who is the help of your countenance and your God. It's biblical to speak to your mind. It's biblical to speak to your body. Those are clearly biblical things to do. I do it daily. <laughs> I mean, I'll be doing something and a thought will come that's either impure or a thought will come that's a judgment of somebody else. And I'll just say, no, I cast that down in Jesus' name. You think I'm crazy? I'd rather you think I'm crazy and I'll be healthy then you think I'm okay. <laughs> Moving right along here. <laughs> now, this is so important. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This is such a pivotal verse as far as growing is concerned. Verse 6 says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord. How did we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By faith. That's how we receive Jesus, by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, message of Christ. We heard about Jesus and by the Holy Spirit we responded by faith. So just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, that was by faith, continue to walk in him. How do you walk in him? By faith. How, how do you uh, walk? What does walk mean? It means live. It means live. Or, or walk out, obey, do what he says. Just as you received him by faith, walk in him by faith. In other words, when he speaks, you do what he says. This is how we grow. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in him, being rooted, rooted, rooted. That means it goes below the surface. It gets entrenched into the earth to where... It can't be pushed over. In other words, root, being rooted, it's below the surface. Being rooted and built up. Twice in the Old Testament, it talks about a remnant of the house of Israel taking root downward and bearing fruit upward. Many times we don't bear fruit upward is because we haven't taken the time to take root downward. It, it takes time to get rooted. It takes time to get rooted. And many times people don't give that time. Uh, I'll talk about that in just a minute. Continue to walk in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. If you get rooted and built up, you will be established. But you can't set back on your laws. You have to continue you have to continue. You know, football season is about to start. And guess what? The teams have to practice again. They have to go through it all again. They have to get in shape again. They have to continue in it, continue in it, continue in it. Uh, you know, we don't arrive and say, and I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in my life. I sit back because of what I have done in the past. That's dangerous. So we get rooted. We get built up. We get established in the faith. Just as you were taught. You know, there's a reason to be taught. And that's to get us established. Let me say this with no condemnation. We should never casually miss our gatherings. Ever. It should have a great priority. 
I mean, I would not miss, I mean, sometimes I wake up and I don't feel good. And guess what I need to do when I don't feel good? I get together with other believers and get built up. People say, well, you know, I, I can't come to that healing meeting today because I don't feel well. Well, you need to get to the healing meeting. <laughs> we can't go by our feelings. I woke up this morning and I thought, oh, no, not again. Not again. I got to get out of this bed. But that thought can't control my life. I had to get up. Not because I had to preach, but in other words, we let our feelings and we let our, our thoughts ro- rule us and control us. But if we get established, then what happens is we've been taught differently and we shake ourselves. We shake ourselves free from that old way of thinking. But we should never casually miss our gatherings. That's a seed for you to chew on. <laughs> Plant it. And notice at the end it says, overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing with gratitude. That's a part of our spiritual development. If we find ourselves complaining more than being grateful, we got a problem. doesn't mean it's not fixable. It can be fixable. How do you fix it? Start being grateful. If you're not grateful for what you have, then you'll probably not get what you want. In other words, we complain about what we don't have rather than being grateful for what we do have. And I've had so much happen in my body that's been crazy the last three years. And I had a choice of either complaining about this. I had a choice of either saying, you know, this cancer in my body or, or, or this, uh, all the other stuff that has come. I could have said, oh, whoa, what was me? I got a bad lot. I need to go fix my funeral arrangements and all that. No, I wasn't going to do that. I had a choice of either complaining or believing God. I had a choice of, of complaining or thanking God for the fact that I'm still here and that He has a redemption that includes healing. He has a redemption that brought me to a place to where I can continue on. So gratitude is such an important part of our spiritual armament. Being grateful, being thankful. Now, I'm not talking to you about a person who's arrived. I mean, I'll be honest with you. My natural bent is to complain. That's my natural. You can ask my wife. If you want to know how spiritual I am, talk to her. Don't judge me by being lit by standing here. She grabs me by the ear regularly. Not really, but by the spirit she does. Okay. Hey. Let's talk about practical growth. Did you know you cannot walk or you cannot live unless you've got a revelation? You can't walk where you have no revelation. What does that mean? In other words, if, if, if you don't have a, a revelation, for example, of what I talked about, of giving, then your giving is not going to be of the heart. It's going to be of the flesh, and you're not going to benefit from it. That's why Paul said... You ought to purpose in your heart and give cheerfully and not begrudgingly. In other words, I've got to have a revelation. If, 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 if I sin against my wife and somebody says, you've got to forgive him, she's got to have a revelation of forgiving me. Or it's just a dead work. I've got to have a revelation or I can't walk in it. Well, where do you get a revelation? The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. This is the book of truth. This is why you need to come hear the word preached because it sets you free. 
Jesus spoke in the 8th chapter of John. And many Jews, it says, believed on him because that's who he was ministering to. It says many Jews believed on him. And then he said to those Jews, if you continue in my word, if you'll continue, you've believed what I've said here. But if you'll continue to walk out what I say, then you'll truly be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Just hearing it and getting excited about it doesn't mean that that revelation is going to live. Some people get a revelation, but if they don't live it, they lose it. Let me say that again. Some people get the lights come on, but then they don't live it and they lose it. What that means is this revelation without application results in the termination of the revelation. Revelation without application, not applying, not putting into practice what God opens your eyes to see. It'll end up in the ending, the, the death, the termination of that revelation. If you don't live out what God shows you, then it won't become a reality to you. You won't grow. If we don't walk out what we see, then we don't grow. It's by living that you grow. For example, forgiveness. Do you know how to grow in forgiveness? Forgive. And guess what happens when you forgive? You have to forgive again. I mean, I've seen it so many times. Let me ask you, how many people, first time you got on a bicycle, you had it mastered? If you did, I mean, you may be gifted. <laughs> I, I didn't have it mastered. Well, when I got on a bicycle and fell off, did I sit there and cry and say, I can't do this? No, I got back on and I stuck with it. Same with forgiveness. Somebody can hurt you deeply. And you see by revelation, God says, forgive one another. Ephesians 4.32, forgive one another, even as Christ forgave you. How did Jesus forgive me? He forgave me so much. Listen, I was a dog. I was a rat. I was a reprobate. Jesus knows everything that I ever did against him. And he forgave me so totally that what I did in the past has no bearing on my relationship with him. It's totally under the blood, cast as far as the east is from the west. That's how much I'm supposed to forgive you. Now, how can I do that? It's impossible, except by the grace of God. And he gives the grace to do it. He says, I can forgive you the way he forgives me, by his grace. How do I do that? I keep forgiving. I keep forgiving. I've had to do this. I've had to, people have hurt me, and I forgive them, and then it comes back, and I say, no, Lord, I forgive them, I forgive them, I forgive them. And it comes to the point. A good example, I was playing sandlot football when I was about 12, 13 years old. And the quarterback on the other team was wearing baseball cleats. <laughs> and so I lunged for him and missed him. And accidentally, I hope, he stepped on my hand. And it became very, very infected. You know, I've still got a scar from that. But there's no more pain. No more pain. The pain's gone. Why? Because it's healed. The same is true for the hurts. You know, you can look at somebody, remember what they did, but the pain is gone. That's forgiveness. That's how God wants us to forgive one another. 
Do they deserve it? No. People say, I'll forgive him, but he doesn't deserve it. Nobody Nobody deserves it. I didn't deserve forgiveness from God. I don't deserve your forgiveness. It's grace. God forgives freely. If we faithfully attend church services, Bible seminars, etc., but do nothing else, even just reread the notes we took, that doesn't make us grow. In other words, growth doesn't take place here. Growth takes place out there. Growth takes place by you taking in the revelation you have and then beginning to act on it. And don't wait. Don't wait. Now, does that mean you have to call up somebody and say, I forgive you? No, because that may cause more trouble than you wanted. <laughs> you start in the heart. Because that person may not think they've had anything that they've done against you. Something you've heard me say before. This is so important. It's, it's such a fundamental of walking with God. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God speaks, faith comes, we obey, faith grows. God speaks, faith comes, we obey, faith grows. So it's through walking out what God says. That's what obedience is, walking out what God says, that we grow. Um, Whether accurate or inaccurate, uh, reading the Bible, hearing teaching has been called spiritual eating or uh, eating spiritually. May or may not be true, but let's use an illustration. In other words, if, if it's just the partaking of the word that causes us to grow spiritually, let's say uh, there's a great hotel in town that has three buffets a day. They have an amazing smorgasbord breakfast buffet and so you hear about you go there and you just go through the line and you pile it on and you pile it on you sit down you pile it in you pile it in and you know that lunch is coming so you hang around the hotel until lunch comes you go back through the buffet and you just pile it on you pile it on you pile it on you pile it in you pile it in and you just can't wait for dinner so you're sitting around the hotel waiting for dinner so the whole the, the, the buffet spreads so you pile it on pile it on pile it in pile it in you do that three or four days i promise you you will grow <laughs> and you know that's what happens to us spiritually we just hear the word and we're so proud of what we know and Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I just want you to know I like God. I'm not like other people. In other words, we grow in a way that is unhealthy. It's religious. Jesus never said, I've come that you might have religion in that more abundantly. He came to give us life. If we don't put it into practice, we just become sluggish by the stuff we take in because we're not living it out. The, the laboratory of life is where we, where, we, where we grow. Jesus, in the fourth chapter of John, it says that he said, I have to go through Samaria. God had an appointment for him there. And so the woman at the well comes. And so he's talking. And Jesus was very weary. Before the woman came, it says Jesus was very weary. And so the disciples went into the city to get some food. And while... They were gone. The woman came and he began to 
speak words of knowledge and words of wisdom. He read her mail, so to speak. He, he talked to her about her life, and her eyes were open that, man, this guy. And he actually told her, isn't it amazing that Jesus really did not tell the high and mighty that he was the Son of God or that he was the Messiah, but here this this Samaritan woman, Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. And in, in that culture, men had nothing to do with women. And yet Jesus says that he's the Messiah to her. It's amazing. God doesn't do things the way we do it. So his disciples come. And they present him the food. And he said... I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples wondered, did somebody bring him food? And he said something very interesting. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Well, let's ask the question, what does food do? Food nourishes. Food strengthens. Food sustains and food satisfies. Food nourishes, it strengthens, it sustains and it satisfies. And Jesus is saying, I don't need your natural food. I have been nourished. I've been strengthened. I've been sustained. I've been satisfied. How? By pouring out to this woman. Jesus was weary and yet he poured out. Last Sunday morning was a great example. For some reason, I woke up extremely weak physically. I got to the church building, and I was extremely weak physically. (laughs) And I stood up, and I began to share, and I began to preach. And by the time I was finished, and I went long, (laughs) I was invigorated. And we, we had to drive from from Georgia to Lexington, Kentucky, and I was invigorated and my strength had been had been returned. And so many times we give in to natural things and don't do a spiritual thing. And that doing that spiritual thing, doing the Father's will and finishing his work is what really invigorates us. We we can't look we can't use tiredness as an as an excuse for not doing what we should do. Are there times we're too tired? Yes, there are. There are. Yes, there are two times. There are times that we we can do that. I'm just simply saying that we get robbed. So food nourishes, it sustains, it satisfies, it strengthens. Are are you nourished? Are you strengthened? Are you satisfied? Are you sustained? Am I? Well, if we get involved with doing what does that mean we'll feel that way all the time? No, you will get weary. Jesus got weary. So we grow by doing. I'm going to begin to bring this to a close. The operative word is begin, okay? <laughs> no, I'm about finished. There's three sure indicators of maturity. I'm not saying these are the only ones. But there are three sure indicators of maturity. Number one, my primary focus Now hear this carefully. My primary focus is no longer on my rights and privileges. 
but it shifts to my responsibilities. We have rights, we have privileges, but as we grow, as we mature, our primary focus is on our responsibilities. One of the greatest indicators of, of nations failing is when a nation gets eaten up with its rights. History shows it time and time again. But a nation that will embrace its responsibilities thrives. You have your rights? I'm not complaining. We have our rights. We have a bill of rights. No question about that. But if our primary focus is our rights and privileges, we're not growing. Secondly, a second indicator of maturity, my me time takes a back seat to God, others, and kingdom purposes. Is it wrong to have me time? No. But if I'm going to, if my, uh, uh, an indication of my growing is that my me time has to take a back, a back seat to God, to others, and kingdom purposes. In other words, we, we can't live for ourselves. We can't live for pleasure. I mean, the Bible addresses that in so many places. We live for God. We live for others. I'm here for influence. You're here for influence. And then thirdly, although the Father is always, he's always there for us, as I mature, my primary focus is no longer he's there for me, but Father, I'm here for you. What do you want me to do today? What is your pleasure today? See, we have a tendency sometimes to misunderstand the word will, the will of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The word will and the word pleasure in the Hebrew and the Greek are identical. So if I do the will of God, that means, Lord, I live to please you. I want to live to please you. I don't want to please my flesh. I want to please you. So doing the will of God is not a... Yes, it's costly sometimes. There's no question about that. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I think it's verse 9, he says, I make it my aim. I'm, I'm aiming this arrow at the target, and the target is pleasing the Father. Pleasing the Father is our target. Our aim is to please the Father. And so today, I want to encourage you, don't let this be a heavy message. Let it be a challenge. Let it be something, yes, I need to see myself come up in the little things and the big things. God doesn't see little and big. He sees obedience. <laughs> he sees doing what he says. I heard somebody give a, a short teaching on a short video. It said parents that, that allow their children to disobey until the third command are making a very serious mistake. Said you must become a parent who demands obedience on the first command. Now that we've raised our kids already, we're excited to hear that already. <laughs> I'm just simply saying there's joy, there's pleasure, there's strength, there's health in hearing God and doing what he says. And just hearing him is not enough. So many times, church is just about coming and hearing a great message. Oh, such a wonderful, wonderful man of God. Such a wonderful message. Well, it's okay to like preaching. I'm just simply saying there's so much more beyond that. And if we just get excited and we don't do anything about it, then that revelation can die over lunch. It really can. 